Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us at the Half History Podcast. If you found us on YouTube, please help us out by subscribing. It really does help. Uh, shout out to the people who already have shown us some love by subscribing. Thank you for downloading on your favorite podcast services. We are well into the swing of things here at Half History, and we're trying to provide you guys with the best content we can. So please email us at halfhistorypod at gmail.com if you would like to ask us anything or recommend any topics. Anything you recommend has a potential to show up in one of our next episodes, and we appreciate any feedback and support. Thank you, you guys. Sorry. Thank you very much. You can also find us on Patreon. We don't have any exclusive content yet, but we plan to in the future. We're already working on some things in the works, so if you really want to help us out support, that would be the way to do it. With all that out of the way, today I'm going to be talking about comedy. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, so it's a little bit of um, comedy. So when I think of comedy, I'm really talking about stand-up comedy. Um, so to open it up, I'm going to start with a question, and how far, uh, and that is how far back in history does the term stand-up uh, go? For as long as we've been standing. <laughs> that's, yeah, <laughs> that's true. So um, yeah, well, that's a that's a good that's a good answer. I actually have a couple of choices here to offer you oh so i'll i'll give you a couple options also before you before you go uh peppers are behind you so be careful don't scooch back love that dog love that dog so the term stand-up does it originate in the year 1911 1948 or 1969 i'm gonna go with 1969 of course so i threw that one into um throw you off because you know it's an obvious choice if you're not sure which you know which one is which you know me too well (laughs) um but that's actually the only answer that's wrong kind of so the first documented use of stand-up as a term was in the stage Uh, i'm not really not sure if that was a some sort of uh, some sort of publication in 1911 detailing a woman named Nellie Perrier Perrier delivering stand-up comic ditties in Mm -hmm. a chic and charming manner though this was used to describe a performance of comedy songs rather than stand-up comedy in its true form in June uh, on June 23rd in 1948 in Variety magazine about Lou Holtz who was a comic performer at the time and that's the time when the art of stand-up comedy really comes into the public consciousness. So, um, when it comes to kind of stand-up comedy mm-hmm. uh, applied to comedy, uh, 1948 is kind of the real answer. It, it's used to describe someone who tells jokes, mm. and um, and 1911 was used to describe the a person d- delivering stand-up comic ditties. In a chic and charming manner. So just kind of stand-up <laughs> comic ditties. That must have been kind of more like like stand-up girl, you know, stand-up gal or stand-up guy. Right. You're a stand-up guy, you know that? Stand-up comic ditties. Because comic has always been around, like comical, comic strip. Ditties. <laughs> ditties. Well, that's, that's more kind of referring to the songs. Right. Right. Ditties. So... This is the end of the, the our last podcast of the year. Um, 
of our 2022. We're doing our best to get into the swing of things. And I wanted to, this to kind of originally be a little bit laid back. But as I got into the history of stand-up, I didn't expect it to be so serious and kind of uh, dark, I guess. So as I got into it, I kind of learned a lot and I didn't want to skim over too much. So I did kind of a lot of research and it didn't end up being too you know laid back of an episode but gonna try and work in some laid back material into the future because this one kind of wore me out a little bit but um just to kind of lighten things up i'm gonna kind of kick it off with a couple of questions for you oh yeah okay so what um what's some of the earliest memories you have when it comes to stand-up comedy. Some of the earliest memories? Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, I think my whole life. Like, even ever since I was a, a little kid, like, at family gatherings, my my family likes to crack a lot of jokes. So, just, so, like, jokes, kind of funny people in the family. Funny like, people kind of entertaining, in the class clown type of humor. Exactly. Definitely a lot of dirty jokes. Mm-hmm. A lot of dirty jokes for my age. <laughs> I, I noticed, like, when I first met you, that was one of the things that stood out was just you're always quick with a joke, you know. So <laughs> that must have translated through your uh, childhood a little bit. Yeah, rub, rubbed off a little bit. Thank God. <laughs> what? Who's the first? Do you have a, any specific memory as a, of, say, the first comic, like stand-up comic you remember seeing in, like, a TV or? S- Fluffy. Fluffy. That's the guy? That's the guy. Yeah, I remember seeing Fluffy uh, as a YouTube or it was on Funny Junk, I think. Or maybe someone was sharing it on YouTube, but it was just a clip of one of his stand-ups mm-hmm. and it was just super popular. It was the one where, is it the classic one where um, where he was getting pulled over by the cops? Oh my God, that one's so funny. Yeah, so. What I, you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? So classic. Mm. I, I that was that man. That must have been, man, a long time ago. But. Long time ago. I also remember uh, Kevin Hart. Mm. When I was a little Dang. bit older, that was one of the ones that I kind of started watching, uh, like on Netflix. That's crazy. Hell, of funny dude. It's kind of it's interesting because those guys were real popular mm-hmm. in kind of the mid two thousands or late, you know, two thousand zero zero era the aughts the good times earlier in the in those years one of my first memories uh when it comes to stand-up is Mm -hmm. dane cook i don't know if you familiar with him he was super popular Mm -hmm. so he he kind of took over the uh the the internet world when myspace was was becoming a huge thing Mm -hmm. clips of him on youtube um you know, clips on MySpace. He just really plugged all of his stuff through the internet and heck, it blew up. He's smart. Hella smart. And I just have this distinct memory of playing this bit of a, of a Dane Cook bit and thinking it was the funniest thing. He said he wanted to... <laughs> it was this bit. It was... um. So I I used to see all these cut-up stand-up material um, bits in... Mm on youtube and people would act out the the stand-up comedy with halo so they would record themselves playing halo and acting out 
the one of the bits he had was he wanted to see someone get hit by a car. Oh. Just because, you know, it's kind of a crazy thing. Uh, obviously, you don't want to see that, but it's just so crazy that, you know, it's it's kind of, it's just a freaky a premise, you know? I just also kind of feel like if you say that in a room full of people, you're like, I want to see a guy get hit by a car. Like. Well, that, yeah, it, it, that, that was not definitely what he opened with. Oh. Well. <laughs> but um, it, I, I, I saw it as this halo um skit you know mm-hmm. and i thought it was the most the funniest thing because in halo you can run people over with a car and like it was just hilarious so i pulled it up on my phone and i was and i was showing my 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 sister and my dad mm-hmm. and they were like this isn't funny like oh. this guy like you don't want to see anyone get hit by a car and they turned it into this whole thing where it was like you know this is serious you know we don't want to talk about this and i'm like dang like I just thought this was funny. I was just, it was. I grew up with that man. In that moment, I realized that not everything that's funny is funny to everyone. I kind of have this really embarrassing memory. It's not necessarily about comedy, but uh, <laughs> I was I was watching this show called Chowder. When I was a, I was fairly young. I was like seven eight and there was this song that was super duper funny he was singing about like having lost this food that he really wanted Mm. and i just liked that song so much i don't know what it is that i liked about it but i i called my dad over i'm like dad dad can we please get this song and like download it on our ipod or something and he was like okay play it and i played it and he just like looked at me he's like you like this and everyone started roasting me Everyone started roasting me oh, so bad, man. and I never, I never wanted to hear that song again. You were just trying to share something. That's why I always get embarrassed whenever I start listening to music playing. Really? I mean, partially. Like, I just don't From want that people moment? to judge me like that. Damn. I got roasted pretty bad, dude. That's sad. And it was something funny that you enjoyed. It wasn't funny. I just liked the song. It wasn't even funny. It was. I mean, it was. A chowder is a funny show, you know, but uh, the song was kind of silly. Had a nice jingle jangle to it. <laughs> yeah, that show that show's a little ridiculous. If man, that made me a little bit sad. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's all good. I I have moments like that though when you're just trying to like you know share something and yeah. and they they don't understand. They just they don't, don't get, get it. it. Parents just don't understand. You don't understand, mom started watching the fresh prince of bel-air mm. for the first time i've never actually seen that show neither have i every time i saw it as like a kid pop up like on nickelodeon and stuff i always changed it because i i didn't get a lot of the jokes right i just well, like watching spongebob yeah, exactly spongebob is good for mm. you know all ages all um what do you call it all generations yeah it's, Timeless. I feel like I like it more as an adult now than I did as a kid. Mm. Especially when I grew up watching the classic, like the OG SpongeBob. That's one of those ones where you Ugh. watch it again and you get even more jokes as you as you get it. It's it's layered. Golden. Yeah. Like a beautiful, beautiful casserole. <laughs> yeah. Pretty delicious casserole of, of comedy. So yeah, even that's that's another thing that just comedic 
shows and, and animated shows mm -hmm. like spongebob that's one of my earlier influences to um comedy you know it's a it's a kid show there's a lot of really entertaining kid shows like oh yeah adventure time mm. um come on grab your friends yeah i know bob's burgers isn't a kid show but it's classic you could watch it with Maybe you can't watch it with your kids. Never mind. Well, you could. They, well, nowadays <laughs> kids would definitely understand some of those jokes. It's kind of it's kind of like family. Um, family it, it's a <laughs> it's 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 almost misleading how it's it's just a charming show. I love I love that show. But anyway, uh, just to take a little side sidebar and and reminisce about some some of the more charming things from our from our past when it comes to from when it comes to comedy we talking about our history our own history <laughs> uh so we're actually going to get into some a little bit definitely some serious topics oh. and that would be good to kind of loosen up a little bit and keep it light uh before we get into that and we will and across those bridges once we come to them so we have damage control here when i was um when i was looking into comedy mm -hmm. there's kind of a lot of material to draw from mm -hmm. it's not it's it's not a a quick a to b path right there's a lot of inspirations from from culture comedy you know people always have had wanting ev everyone everywhere always wants something to laugh about right you know it's levity brings joy i feel like it's a very social thing exactly you know like people tell jokes people get along mm -hmm. it transcends cultures laughing la laughter is the same in every language absolutely so. except i feel like some places have different kinds of jokes oh yeah like <laughs> Over sure. here in America, you could probably be like, tell a little bit of a racy joke, you know, and be okay, but you usually want to keep it mild. In Mexico, you'll give, oh, I'm so sorry, you'll make dick jokes, like in front of your kids, <laughs> yeah, in front of your whole family, which has happened, and I have a witness. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little more casual when it comes to people are a lot more a lot less conservative when it comes to humor and right. sexuality in other parts of the world mm -hmm. so yeah that's that's definitely unique to how people express themselves right. comedically but i feel like people just tolerate some of this like some of the jokes like that sorry tolerate is a bad word but i feel like some people get offended hmm. like there's a fine line and it varies between every person. Yeah. Well, as you know, as I'm going to get into it, mm -hmm. there's a lot of comedy that is offensive, mm -hmm. uh, for better or worse. Um, you know, it's kind of something that always exists in comedy. It's mm -hmm. it as an art format, comedy kind of exists to push the boundary of what's acceptable. That is a wonderful way to put it. Yeah, so there's a lot of things that are considered, you know, inappropriate mm -hmm. and raunchy when it comes, especially when it comes to the history of, of comedy. So mm -hmm. we'll definitely get into that. 
What's going on with the dogs here? She's just snoring. <laughs> the dogs are snoring. We got we got two little little babes on the lap here. I had Patty. I had this one here, but she decided to leave me and go where it's warm, where the blankets are. I always bring it. I try and bring a blanket because without fail, they will always want to sit on my lap. Yeah. You want to put the microphone down to one of them? Um. You could probably hear him snoring. Let's see if we can hear them. I woke up, Pepper. All right, let's see if I can adjust this for you. Wonderful, wonderful. Good, good? Good, good. Good. You can't move because you got the dogs on you. I do. The little babies. The babes. They're so cute. So sorry about that for the audio listeners. If you are there, I'm sure you are because this is the best show that ever existed. Ever in history. So we appreciate you appreciate your patience as we you know love and appreciate our beautiful animals um we should try and post pictures yeah of them we're he- um, we're hecka gonna mm-hmm. be more active on our instagram and you know for what's it called promotions and twitters mm-hmm. and stuff just keep keep you all active on the dogs how they're doing mm. these are our uh co-hosts well the co-hosts the exactly they're I don't know. They're like, yeah, I don't know. They're definitely. Um, what's it called? Uh, featuring. Yeah. Featuring Patty and Pepper. I was gonna try and compare them to somebody, but they just they just hang out. To who? Just like someone on a show. Like there's there's people on shows that just kind of hang out. Oh yeah. But they they don't do anything. They don't contribute. They just bark sometimes. Aww. But we love them. We love them. If you guys ever hear any weird noises in the back, I promise you it's not our bowel movements. Hopefully not. Uh, it's usually these girls. Yeah, we'll blame the dogs. Mm-hmm. So, historically, comedy goes back even farther than what we know of today as stand-up comedy. Hmm. I'm going to follow it up. follow this up with another question. Which ancient people are historically credited with the creation of comedy? We have the Greeks, the Romans, and the Egyptians. The Romans. Romans. So they had the Colosseum. They were famous for showcasing death and murder. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if that was all they did. They might have had comedic performances. I believe they definitely had like art performances. Right. They were artistic people, but well, I just don't know if they were funny people. So, I don't know enough to say for sure, but I'm fairly certain that the Greeks came before the Romans, and a lot of the insp- a lot of the things that the Romans did kind of was directly inspired from the Greeks. So that being Copy said, paste. right, I'm sure they had a lot going on the Romans, but they did not originally, quote unquote, create comedy historically then who did well the research that i found myself in you know looking up Mm -hmm. i found that the the term originated in ancient greece 
the actual term comedy. In Athenian democracy, the public opinion of voters was influenced by a political satire performed by comic poets in theaters. So Greece is also kind of the creator of democracy and, you know, art and a lot of things. That's hilarious. They're like, hey, let's pass this bill because that guy made a funny fart joke. No, well, that's the thing. It's it's comedy is a way to relate to people. Yeah. Um, you can take jabs at politicians. And then you can aristocrats. say, it was a joke. It was a prank, bro. Bro was only a prank. It was just a prank, bro. <laughs> yeah. But no that, harm, it, no foul. It's, it, that, it, it just goes to show that comedy always has had its foot in the door of kind of political and social commentary. Mm. So it always, historically, it's always been about pointing something out or kind of learning more about ourselves, mm-hmm. taking a taking a closer look at humanity. Right. So the word comes from ancient Greek komos, meaning revel, and oide, o o oide oide o i d e, o which oide. means singing. And was the opposite of the dramatic art form known as tragedy. So comedy was a dramatic art. It was mm. the it was the the opposite of of com- of tragedy. The Greeks were famous for their plays. They um, the tragedies that they were famous for often involved a fall from grace and drew inspiration from legends. While comedy was uniquely focused on current events. So the comedies were, let's see, theatrical genre of group comedy can be described as a dramatic performance pitting two groups, ages, genders, or societies against each other in an amusing agon or conflict. Hmm. A famous play called Lysistrata, written by Aristophanes, is about a group of women who go on a sex strike until their husbands made peace. So... That's kind of the premise <laughs> of kind of one of the, the comical stories. Go on. <laughs> real funny, huh? Mm. Yeah, we'll, we'll just move on from that one real quick. <laughs> but You say a sex strike Yeah. to so, get what they want. <laughs> right, and eventually it worked. So that, that was kind of the origin of comedic performances especially in front of a live audience the greeks that's what they did they had a good time performing playing music telling jokes eating good food eating good food Mm. doing other things (laughs) among other things (laughs) among other things so yeah comedy started as a way to satirize and criticize the rich and powerful aristocrats who would view the live performances not much has changed, I would say. For for for, for the better, I would say for um, for good reason. I think it's great to have a a platform and a means right. by which to criticize and what is it um, satirize, kind mm-hmm. of take a closer look, so to speak. Kick someone off their high horse a few notches. Exactly. So. Another direct influence can be drawn from Greek plays as they relate to stand-up comedy. What common comedic practice is similar to the Greek practice of parabasis? 
So we got a couple options here. The per, the Greek practice of parabasis, is it similar to crowd work, long form storytelling uh, with jokes throughout, or using props to sell a bit? So you know what crowd work is? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with C. C, using props. props. Prop comedy. Mm-hmm. Parabasis does not mean prop comedy. There, <laughs> there are quite a few uh, comedians who have done that in the past, but I, I don't know if that's ever been <laughs> that huge of a thing. I think Carrot Top was the first and only guy to do that. And Bobby Hill. And Bobby Hill. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? <sighs> uh, anyway, Parabasis is the part of an ancient greek comedy in which the actors leave the stage and the chorus addresses the audience directly Ooh. so it'd be similar to crowd work i like that yeah so the, the chorus the people singing uh-huh. would address the audience while the actors were kind of setting up in between nice. acts it sounds like mm-hmm. yeah so they would they would talk smack to the aristocrats in the front row, the famous people. Oh, that's what they would do. Yeah, they oh. would straight up call them out. Dude, that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh my god. For sure. So it's pretty it's pretty great that that's like yeah that's always been a thing, you know, you know, when safe at a comedy show. Man. I love it when comedians do that. Yeah. But uh, let's see. I have a quote from a famous Greek playwright, the guy who wrote the play about the sex strike. Mm -hmm. Famous comedic playwright Aristophanes is quoted saying, I am a a comedian, so I will speak about justice, (laughs) no matter how hard it sounds to your ears. So there you go. I mean... Comedy's always been not not for the faint of heart. No. You know, it's it's intended to get people talking, get people thinking. Very true. And also get people to laugh. Oh yeah. So it doesn't matter if you think it's offensive, you know. The the, the most important thing is that, you know, is it funny? Well, yeah. And it also makes you think. Any good joke. If it takes you a second, usually it's the one that makes you laugh the hardest. As long as it's funny. That's the thing. Right. That that's that's what it comes down to it, that's comedy at its core is is does it make the people laugh? You know you're good when you make like a joke where you're not sure if you're gonna get in trouble or you're gonna make everyone in the room laugh. Right. Well so it's only if you get like you. Right. Um even if you do make people laugh, you can still get in trouble, which is um, kind of what we're going to get into in the in uh, right about now. I did actually almost get in trouble f- at work because of that. Oh, yeah. Let's not talk about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, even uh, what I just said about, you know, it being, as long as it makes the people laugh, mm-hmm. that's not necessarily the truth because... When it comes to comedy in America, it gets its roots from all kinds of places. 
Um, you know, funny people have always been around, but when it comes to public shows to present comedic performances, there's a couple specific places we have to turn to. Mm-hmm. Uh, racism uh, plagues the history of America, mm-hmm. and the roots of comedy are no different. They're also pretty sadly tainted. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is the form of racist theatrical entertainment created in the 1800s uh, called called minstrel shows is mm-hmm. something we have to talk about. The racists always have to ruin it. Yeah, so... They gotta taint our history. This is a serious topic and deserves kind of its own show altogether. Um, We're going to be talking about comedy, and I can't skip over this topic, so I'll do my best to navigate with respect, and I will definitely link some sources that do a more thorough job of laying out the facts uh, and the history it's just the hard part about history is is as much as there is like fun parts of history where you can like listen about the like how comedy has evolved and how like plays have evolved from the the greeks was it right yeah the greeks Mm. like for example that part's really fun it's really interesting but you can't skip over the parts that are a lot harder to talk about um kudos to you for for including it yeah well i mean Part of the actually why I think it's so important to why I did so much looking into this particular part of the history of comedy is because before looking into this topic, comedy, which I thought would be, you know, all lighthearted, I didn't really understand. I didn't know. I didn't know what mental shows were, really. I didn't actually understand Mm -hmm. what 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 it was i had heard the term minstrel shows i kind of knew that it had to do with blackface mm. um but the i also assumed that it had something to do with periods you know or menstruating i thought it had something to do with that too right so like i think it's good to talk about because even if you know you hear it talked about it's not quite enough to to fully just uh it's it it's important to to go into because yeah i didn't didn't know about it so i didn't either and i feel like kudos to you for for educating us for on sure. it. and i definitely don't want the more tragic parts of our history to go unrecognized mm-hmm. so the minstrel show also called minstrelsy was an american form of racist theatrical entertainment developed in the early 19th century These were racist variety shows consisting of musical performances, dancing, and comic skits, all depicting black Americans as oafish, stupid, lazy, and happy-go-lucky. All, of course, performed by white men in blackface makeup, which created a very racist character of black people and black culture. This was kind of like, in a way, American slavery propaganda. You know, mm-hmm. the the moral of the story was often that black people were stupid or that slavery wasn't that bad. They deserve to get taken advantage of. Yeah. You know, so like this, this particular slave had a real good time and really loved his, you know, white master. So, yeah, like there was a lot of that type of thing going on. Um, but for several decades, it provided kind of the only means through which American whites viewed black people. 
Uh, it was a very distorted view of some aspects of black culture. Mm -hmm. But for many white people, it really was all they had to, to see this side of American culture. So it's kind of unfortunate. Um, but black people came to this country as slaves, mm -hmm. you know? So a lot of people either saw black people as slaves or in this form of media as kind of um something to like laugh at and you know you know point and laugh mm -hmm. so they didn't have anything better to do with their time <laughs> yeah well the I, I can only see like one set of people that are acting oafish and stupid <laughs> yeah the thing is it the target demographic was definitely to lower class white people they needed to look towards a, a group of people they classified as even lower than themselves you know right the so the to the typical minstrel performance followed a three-act structure the troupe first danced onto stage and then exchanged wise cracks and sang songs <laughs> the performance featured two end men who were at either end of the line and they would go back and forth with jokes. So what is uh wisecracks? Are they just like why a wisecrack is kind of like um a joke kind of like uh a, a, just um a quick joke mm. in um in a way to kind of roast somebody. Like quickly Ooh, okay. you know like a wise crack i see like yeah just a quick roast mm -hmm. basically so it was the the whole performance consisted of it was all all people all white people in blackface and they would tell jokes to each other and kind of show the side of um you know black culture mm -hmm. that was really more of um, a lens through which these white people kind of saw black culture and there there was a little bit of you know it was depicting certain aspects of black culture that were part of you know black life but that was definitely was through a, a horribly racist lens and mm -hmm. these people were you know doing it in a way to kind of make fun and not kind of it wasn't introspective it was very much like these people are like to be like like a, like a circus basically right so. you can't hurt their feelings right do you think that they ever try to get black people to to act in them good question oh no <laughs> don't want to know the answer to this yeah so we're gonna talk about the answer to that oh. but the the second part there was it's actually a, a three act structure okay so this the the first part was singing and dancing with jokes you know and songs second part featured a variety of entertainments including the pun-filled stump speech so it's kind of this was kind of the the end men and the 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 line of performers and the stump speech it was kind of the first origins of comedy even though it was directly kind of a racist caricature these were performers who were going up and entertaining an audience of people and making them laugh hmm. and it was 
it was it wasn't like like it was supposed to be jokes you know what i mean like it was supposed to be funny Mm -hmm. the the audiences were often filled with with people of all ages from all groups of all walks of life so Mm -hmm. everyone this was a really really popular thing in america at the time which Mm -hmm. is kind of unfortunate right it's kind of crazy how popular it was I have a quote here from my research that says blackface minstrelsy was the first uniquely American form of theater. It's funny that it's uniquely American. Well, yeah, like because they're made America in America. There was also vaudeville shows which followed. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But those originated in France. This was something that was uniquely American. And yeah, it was the first (laughs) uniquely american form of theater that existed so it's kind of unfortunate Mm -hmm. definitely not a good look for america but it's important to shine a light on these parts of our history excuse me Hmm. but yeah so and then didn't touch on this but the last act was often a slapstick musical plantation skit or a send-up of a popular play so it was it was a three-act structure and yeah by by 1848 blackface minstrel shows were the national art form it just gets worse (laughs) it kind of yeah it kind of does um by by so by 1848 it was super super popular blackface minstrel shows were the national art form translating formal art such as opera into popular terms for a general audience. So this was for the everyman, mm-hmm. kind of for just, it, it was just a form of entertainment. It was one of the first forms of something you could do. You, If if we were dating in this time and we were white. We are dating. <laughs> during during 1848 and, okay. we, and we were white, we might go to one of these shows. No. On a <laughs> Don't say that. On a Saturday night. I'm not white. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, this is just something that people did. And more yeah, often... like, let's go to the movies. <laughs> more often than not, you know, like, unfortunately, you're, like, the majority of people were on, on this side of history. So, it kind of, it is what it is. It's an unfortunate thing. So, no, never mind. I'm not going to compare it. <laughs> I'll just move on if that's okay. Yeah. Cool. So, the genre has actually had a lasting legacy and influence and influence and was featured in a television series as recently as the mid 1970s so generally as the civil rights movement progressed and gained acceptance minstrelsy lost popularity thank god the the american civil rights movement happened in the 60s 1960s and (laughs) there, there was a television show that kind of depicted the this older form of minstrelsy as late as the 70s so that's pretty pretty unfortunate that is that is really unfortunate there's also a guy in um i forget if it was my strange addiction or what it was but someone was a collector of like racist knickknacks and they had a bunch of of like racist knickknacks and like some of them I'm were kind of like blackface almost. Mm-hmm. And um I'm honestly not sure, but some of the, the the pieces that he had collected seemed like they were if they were in good condition, they were like 
1960s, 1970s, like you'd sometimes you'd see the dates on the bottom. Mm. And it's just so unfortunate because you can definitely tell like how recent in history they are because you could still find collectibles and things like that. I mean, I wouldn't say collectibles. It is to this person that but that's the thing. collected them, but it's just so crazy that it's so recent in history. There's still all kinds of mm-hmm. recent, you know, racist stuff. It shocked me in history to learn that the KKK didn't exist until after um, the Civil War as basically a direct result of, you know, freed slaves. It was kind of a militia to, yeah, like (laughs) it was a a terrorist militia that kind of started. And the Civil War was barely, you know, 160, 180 years ago something so that's not i mean it's a few generations it's kind of a lot actually but yeah that history happens pretty quickly do you think any of your like think maybe your great grandpa or someone would have gone to these shows um no well i mean that's the thing i don't know it's it's just something that that kind of happened Mm -hmm. you know it 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 wasn't that any of these people had you know horrible like bad hearts it's just like it it was just a popular thing at the time it was the thing to do back in the day (laughs) yeah um and what's hard is i feel like people are very influenced by everything around them it so if everyone around you you're classmates your friends your family they're like oh let's go see the show like we're all gonna go this weekend or we're all gonna go do this and and watch this funny thing that's happening and then you hear all about it you're gonna be like what is this thing that everyone's talking about you know and and it's basically just like that it was it was something that just happened to to happen to happen Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna break it up here with a little bit of a question Mm -hmm. it is unfortunate that the legacy of racism persisted for so long throughout american media that there is at least one direct influence that comes right from these performances am i talking about the concept of the straight man musical comedy or performances having a host introduce the acts having a host introduce the acts so that i'm not sure specifically if that tied directly to this you know uh i feel like that's kind of something that has always been around having an mc or a host so it's not something that is directly attributed to the minstrel shows but the straight man is a concept that probably goes back um you know quite a while but it was during the height of minstrelsy uh the popularity that comedy duos featuring a straight man or a feed who would set up bits for a more sharp-witted character to come in with a punchline so this was kind of a popular a thing that was definitely popularized and the term straight man comes directly from the the minstrel shows so you know mm-hmm. what i'm talking about when i refer to a straight man no it's basically like i don't know if i can even think of one because what i thought was a heterosexual man. <laughs> you no. don't even know the term straight man. Oh. So, 
that's just <laughs> it's just crazy in comedy it's like it's someone who is I'm trying to think of i don't even know a duo do you know penn and teller the guy the, yes. the so penn one that doesn't talk yeah the one that doesn't talk he's the straight man he doesn't do anything he just does his his freaking his face at the at the camera and the other guy is all wild and he has a big voice and um he speaks for the both of them yeah he basically uses the other guy for jokes mm-hmm. so that's that's the concept of the straight man uh, you're so. not you're not telling the jokes but you're there as kind of the setup or you know the butt of the joke or right yeah you're the one that doesn't seem so serious so that or you're the guy that seems really serious so that the other guy seems a lot funnier than he actually is exactly so like in the office the guy ted who always looks at the camera he's just like really this guy like michael scott <laughs> i do that Come in on. real life yeah so that's something that kind of ties directly back to this time in our history wow so it was during the height of these pop- the popularity of these types of shows that black performers were able to leverage the interest of a large audience and get on stage themselves. Mm. Black Americans had limited options, so to speak, and this was an opportunity for you know these black performers to hone their art and even open up s- some eyes to their own perspectives. So it's nice that they got a stage, but at the same time, are they making like? racist jokes as well that's horrible (laughs) kind of because you're not just like putting yourself in a really vulnerable situation to make extra money and to get by but you're also in a way like shunning your own community Mm -hmm. and that's not because you want to it's because it's a means to an end to get dinner on the table at the end of the day yeah especially when your only other option was to work for these assholes yeah and that's kind of what it was you know just it was just work kind Mm -hmm. of and some of these people actually were able to gain a lot of fame as a result of this and popularity so they were not not necessarily you know fame Mm -hmm. but they were able to really name for themselves yeah make exactly make a name for themselves and kind of hone their their craft as performers Mm -hmm. which kind of is at the at the heart of it it really is performance as much as it is kind of a you know racist propaganda it, it's all an act yeah it's yeah it's these, these are these are, they're all just people they're they're trying to entertain the people and this is you know what the people mm-hmm. want to see so it was <laughs> man it was an unfortunate time for for america let me mm-hmm. tell you but there are individual black performers like billy kersons James A. Bland, Sam Lucas, Martin Francis, and Wallace King. Um, they were able to grow as famous as famous as any featured white performer. Hmm. So they apparently I mean they they did them. find some success, yeah. They they unfortunately a lot of times still put on black face makeup and like which means that they would make their skin even darker with like they call it burnt cork. So, yeah. And they would, um, like, outline their lips to be even more, like, kind of, like, um, like, exaggerated looking. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah. What do you think Mexican face would look like? <laughs> oh my god. You think it would just be like smearing a bunch of tamales on your face? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that, that, that's no. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, this definitely is is not um it's not that. And it's not and it wasn't like yeah, it's not not to make light of this. It was a, a serious thing. Absolutely. I'm sorry. <laughs> What are you what are you doing? <laughs> no the, the but there's other instances of, of you know brown face they call it, which would be um making your skin darker to look you know, any any number of races. Mm-hmm. Um but it all is is definitely not right because, you know, at the end of the day there's people that that's just their skin color. They're not gonna um wash off the paint at the end of the day and, exactly. and, and be you know white again uh so these are there's people living their lives and it's important that we have respect for for all people absolutely the love from half history love from half history but we're going to continue here black lives matter black lives matter um another black performer who was able to find success through these shows is a man by the name of burt williams he started as a performer in minstrel shows, but he went on to meet another black performer who would become the other half to the most successful black comedy duo of their time. Penn and Teller. <laughs> no, so they did have a kind of a duo that was a the classic. She's throwing a fit. <laughs> she wants to come back up here, but she always comes down. Yes, I think she, she wants to go outside too. Oh. We just can't have heard the the dogs and the cats fraternizing while we're while we're away so the cat's a naughty boy well to clarify he just likes to bully them and like he'll wait around the corner and then jump out at them and start like tackling them yeah he he, he came from the streets though and we could um we yeah well yeah what do you mean by that I was going to say that just that we could play with them a little more. Right. But I haven't been doing as good of a job. You always pick up the little wand thingy and play with them. Because mm-hmm. he's, he's cute. We need to make a little couple more toys for him. Anyways. Anywho. <laughs> they did have a comedy duo that was a straight man and I don't know what the other guy's called. The funny guy. The funny guy. The loud man. I'm sure I didn't. The straight man and the gay man. So... A lot of these topics I could have done their whole episode. I just was having to gloss through some of the it's finer points. A lot. A and lot. this is also a very like big chunk of history. It's our most like recent historical chunk of history. And it's not something that could just be buried away. I know people knew about like blackface, but I never knew about menstrual shows. School doesn't teach you about that stuff. Yeah, what's what's up with that? That's, I mean, it seems pretty, I mean. I know they're probably not going to be like, hey, guys, look at this part of comedy. But it is an unfortunate part about history because you hear all about the ways that black people were exploited back in the day. And then this is just a thing that followed suit right after. Hmm. Like, it's not, it just got better after that, you know? Like, you don't hear this part of history. Right. You just hear the part where they... They were abused, like, when they were working in the fields and working in plantations. 
so on and so forth. And then there was a civil war. And then things got better in a couple places, but then they didn't. Like, that, that's, that's all I really had understood. Mm. I didn't know it, it ran this deep in society. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I just, I, there's a lot of things to go into here. So, th- it's kind of why we're doing this show, to use it as a jumping off point to learn more about our history. And just, yeah, learn a little bit more. That's the goal. I'm going to move, continue on talking about Walker and Williams. Williams and Walker. So, Burt Williams and... What's his name? Paul Walker. <laughs> Paul Walker. R.I.P. No. Um, not, not finding Paul Walker. his name. But... Yeah, I'll just move on here. <laughs> They but they perform song and dance numbers, comic dialogues and skits and humorous songs. The this duo had to appeal to a mainstream or a white audience. Mm-hmm. So they had they performed in blackface and embodied classical stereotypical characters. But they played around with the dynamics of their performances and really used their talents to get people thinking, which is at the core of comedy. Right. So they were actually they performed for a few years and they really were able to really hone their craft as performers and kind of like the this duo in particular was really they were kind of ahead of their time you know they were really thoughtful performers and even used their their stage to make inter- a difference yeah get people get people thinking a little more than than in the typical blackface shows where it was just kind of laughing at this l- people that they considered lower. Especially since they didn't have a platform to really speak their mind freely back in the day. Right. Like, this was a really good way to kind of be like, look at this funny thing that also kind of tells you about the super serious issue that we're all facing. Hmm. Laugh. And then later <laughs> on at the end of the day, you're like, that was a funny joke. Oh, Wait. Yeah. Well, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, so mm-hmm. that's why we're here talking about it, because I can't say when we're when we're talking about We can't wh- give the benefit of the doubt to all of them though. That yeah. they, they didn't know because some of them were definitely just assholes. That's the yeah, that's the thing. It's just it's easy to get swept swept up in in history, but when we're I don't know. When we're thinking back it's easy to to say you'd be on the right side of history, but the the overwhelming truth is that you probably most likely, you know, history is the way it is for for a reason. So mm-hmm. it's unfortunate, but it's what it is. Uh, but after, yeah, so the minstrel shows transitioned into like these um, pregnancy it- shows. <laughs> sorry that's hella funny that's a good one thank Thank you you. i i needed that (laughs) but yeah from from these minstrel shows it came the the comedy duo and they were they would perform in kind of they would perform along with other shows and definitely carved out a path for 
for comedic performances, especially mm -hmm. when it just comes to two people on stage, you know? Right. Um, so there's actually many individuals, single, single people who would go on to carve out a path for the future of comedy. Mm -hmm. And one of the earliest guys to do that is Mark Twain. Mark Twain. So just for fun, I thought I would test your knowledge a little bit. No, I have failed every question so far. <laughs> um, I wasn't sure I had tested your knowledge a little bit before the show, but I wasn't sure how much you knew about the guy. Mark Twain isn't his real name. So what is Mark Twain's real name? Mark Twiggs. Mark, tw <laughs> Mark Twiggs. Mark Twain actually comes from it's some sort of boat word. I heard it. I don't know where I heard it. Some sort of some sort of history thing. But they would shout Mark Twain and it was it was like something about rope. <laughs> or <laughs> it, was, it was it was just a way for them to communicate to each other basically. Stop it. But he thought that sounded cool so he's like that's my name now. But okay. <laughs> what You're like I am taking this. What is Mark Twain's real name? Is it Herman Melville? <laughs> Continue. <laughs> That's just the guy's name. Sorry, Herman. Uh, is it Herman Melville? Is it Samuel Clemens? Or is it Samuel Adams? Good old Samuel Adams. No, that's not my answer. Uh, the first one. Herman Melville? Herman Melville. No. So Herman Melville was an author. Oh, I'm sorry, Herman. Samuel Adams was uh, a guy who made beer. I know that. <laughs> I think, or something. I don't know who that guy was. But doesn't he have a like a liquor? Well, that I think. So I, <laughs> this isn't a show about Samuel Adams, but uh, for some reason, I think that the the alcohol is just named after like a famous guy. Oh. I think. Well, all right. So, yeah, that's my <laughs> that's my assumption, or that's what for some reason what I think, but might be wrong about that. Let us know. But in the late. 1860s mark twain oh i i don't have the i usually have the answer right under but his real name is samuel clemens okay yeah he used it as a uh as a pen name a pseudonym samuel clemens yeah sounds fancy samuel clemens yeah if a guy named samuel clemens made a, a joke i wouldn't find it very funny what? but mark twain no yeah well i mean i'm kidding yeah i think it definitely the guy's funny he's funny was a good choice yeah mark twain mm -hmm. he mt you know he was a good it was a good he was a good public speaker author real, real heck of a guy <laughs> but anyway in um the late 1860s mark twain met a writer and lecturer called charles farrar brown this guy brown performed as a character called artemis ward and he would give lectures and pretend to be this dopey, silly guy. Excuse okay? me. Yeah, I'm just, just a little gassy. Mm. Had a lot of food and um, just not feeling good. Mm. Do you want to take <laughs> and, a break? Uh, no, nah, I'll be all right. Okay. And I had a lot of coffee, but mm. hopefully we'll get through this. Coffee goes right through me. Yeah. I, I, it's just late today, too. I'm not used to being up this late and... Kind of trying to get this thing out for you guys because um love you guys keeping it consistent every friday we don't miss 
hopefully but if we do we are only human <laughs> we're yeah we're hopefully we're not going anywhere but we're ramping up and we'll keep you guys updated so this guy brown performed as a character called artemis ward and he would give lectures you pretend to be you pretend to be kind of silly and stupid his comedic performances convinced mark twain to take on comedy himself and twain ended up on a multi-city stand-up tour oh my god so it wasn't actually stand-up mm -hmm. but he saw this guy um samuel or er, artemis ward he saw him perform as kind of this guy who would pretend to be stupid and it was just kind of like classic slapstick comedy you know he right he was just pretending to be kind of silly and stupid he didn't and as this character he didn't know why people were laughing at him basically he mm. he didn't he didn't know he, he wasn't in on the joke so that was kind of that, that played into the kind of the comedy at the time it was these um at the time these there would be like lectures which were kind of like ted talks ah. people would address just groups of people um you know men's clubs all kinds of groups so yeah this is kind of, that's kind of where the almost what we know of a stand-up kind of comes into into being ah so yeah th at this time we're in 1860s okay the civil war uh, ends in 1865 mm -hmm. and with the civil war um that's the end of slavery and mm -hmm a big shift in the public consciousness, you know? Mm -hmm. So minstrel shows kind of die out at that time. Good. So shout out to, you know, shout out to the the North, the Union. Um, the after minstrel shows die out, Mark Twain kind of has 30 years of, of giving, you know, speeches. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we're going to move on into into vaudeville vaudeville a little bit we'll talk a little bit about vaudeville but he spoke publicly for 30 years and traveled all the way across the country doing it i'm i'm gonna switch over here i actually have a list of <laughs> all of his dates so check it out oh my this, God. so like we're going up in the 50s he gave like one speech 63 is after he met this guy and then we're going down he's got 10 dates or 20 dates in like Sacramento. two months. Sacramento. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sacramento. So, Nevada Red City. Dog. This is on the West Coast, you know, West Coast tour. But yeah, like in the 60s, you know, he was giving speeches. He, and, the, and it also shows what speeches he was giving. The Sandwich Islands was one of his uh, most famous ones. But dude, check this out. Like 30 freaking like 40 dates right here. It's like 100 dates in a, in a few years here. But. He he would perform for for most of his life, Jeez. kind of, and he would and the the majority of his speeches would go on for about ten to um, fifteen minutes. Oh, that's not bad. So yeah, he wasn't like he wasn't doing crazy, you know, hour long, you know, sixty minutes every time, mm -hmm. which would have been crazy. But he he was just basically keeping people entertained. It wasn't it wasn't billed as uh, a comedy performance but he was uh, just a, a really compelling speaker people love to hear him um, and he had a lot of 
funny things to to say. So, let's see. Twain was in great demand as a featured speaker, performing solo humorous talks similar to a modern similar to modern stand-up comedy. He gave paid talks to many men's clubs, including Authors Clubs, Beef Steak Club, Vagabonds, White Friars, Monday Evening Club of Hartford. In the late 1890s, he spoke to the Savage Club in London. So, wow, he even went as far as London oh. and was elected as an honorary men- member. He was told that only three men had been so honored, including the Prince of Wales. Ooh. To which he replied... Well, that must make the prince feel mighty fine. Burn. <laughs> so, yeah, he's like, dang, now the prince can say that he's one of, you know, three members that Mark Twain was, was oh part of. Oh, my God. So, he he kind of has that just super witty, you know what I mean? Just classic, classic. Um, what a lucky guy. Yeah, so that's kind of, he's he's one of the, the founding fathers of comedy for sure. Any guy that gives a paid talk to a club named Beefsteak is a winner in my books. <laughs> Beefsteak Club, Beefsteak yeah. Club. That must have been a good club. Mm. That reminds me of, um, what's his name? Uh, Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson. Steak and cigar and scotch. That's all you need. But anyway, <laughs> anyways, I'm going to actually talk about a speech he gave. Okay. It's titled Advice to Girls. I am listening. <laughs> so, um, a little backstory. In 1907, a young girl whom Mr. Clemens met on the steamer, Minnehaha, called him grandpa, and huh. he called her his granddaughter. Oh. She was attending St. Timothy's School at Catonsville, Maryland, Maryland, and Mr. Clemens promised to see her graduate. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> He's a stand-up guy. Yeah, so at this time... He was in his 70s. <gasps> oh. <laughs> this was 1907. So, like, when... It's a tip for a good long life. When he, when he first... Tip, t- what is it? It's a tip for a good long life is to laugh a lot. Exactly. That's actually kind of the... <laughs> that's kind of the moral of the story in a way. Oh. Um, but... So, when we met him, it was 63. So, at this point, it's 40 years later. So, he's been talking for, for 40 years at this point. Man. He accordingly made the journey from New York to to Maryland, which is maybe like 200 miles, wow. I want to say. Especially I'm back guessing. in the day. I'm not, I'm not from the East Coast, so that's kind of a rough guess there. Um, but yeah, it's quite quite a it's it's a ways to go, mm-hmm. um, especially back then. So he made the journey for from New York on June 10th, 1909. So that was two years later. So he <laughs> he like. He remembered. He's a good guy. Um, but he delivered a short address. Let's see. Um, I think this is where it starts. It says, I don't know what to tell you girls to do. Mr. Martin has told you everything you ought to do, and now I must give you some don'ts. There are three things which come to mind when I consider, which I consider excellent advice. First, girls, don't smoke. That is, don't smoke to excess. Okay. I am 73 and a half years old, and I have been smoking 73 of them, but I never smoke to excess. That is, I smoke in moderation, only one cigar at a time. (laughs) Second, don't drink. That is, don't drink to excess. 
Third, don't marry. I mean, to excess. Oh my god. Honesty is the best policy. That is an old proverb, but you don't. That is an old proverb, but you don't want ever to forget it in your journey through life. Aww. So basically, he's like, you know, fuck what people tell you, but don't go crazy. Not yeah. Too much of a good thing is bad. For sure, you know, like. But then also at the end of the day, when it comes to your life, honesty is the best policy. Mm-hmm. That's be honest with yourself. For yourself, for be your people around relationships. You. Um, really, kind of that after after 40 years of speaking it's really boiled down to kind of you know <laughs> as, as you know humorous succinct just totally um yeah pretty pretty awesome mm-hmm. pretty awesome guy i want to say I'll, I'll do i i mean i think he's awesome i haven't fully looked into him so if he's been canceled Ooh. you know uh we didn't know i'll, I'll let you know on uh, a future installment <laughs> but we're gonna transition here a little bit um so into the 20th century which we're talking about in the 1900s comedy um live comic sorry (laughs) live comedic performances embraced vaudeville acts which is another form of theatrical entertainment albeit less racist so i plan to gloss over the finer details in the interest of time but these performances started in france Excuse me. Man. Yeah. Anyway, these performances started in France in the late 1800s and became popular here in America. They featured a comedy monologuist, which was the first real entertainment performance that featured the art form we kind of know of today as stand-up comedy. So, when it comes to entertaining uh, an audience that was paid to be there to make him laugh mm-hmm. the the vaudeville show is kind of the the first um thing we can look to that's not you know minstrel shows mm-hmm. um that is kind of the origin of what we consider to be stand-up so the amazing thing about these the solo performers that would go up was that they really only needed themselves and the audience they were often used in between acts to keep people entertained while the crew was setting up. So it was kind of like one of those things. The, the one of the one of the really the most kind of um, like unifying thing about comedy is that anyone can do it. You only need material, you know, and a microphone. Mm-hmm. You just need a microphone, a voice, and that's it. An audience. The confidence to say it. Right, and and if you're good. You get laughs, people think you're funny, you're going to succeed. That's really kind of it. So, and at this time, they were keeping people entertained. And it was really cheap. Um, And that's kind of what allowed it to thrive and flourish throughout history. Getting sleepy. I'm really tired. I'm sorry. I keep looking over for... um, to, to see how you're doing and you're looking a little bit sleepy i'm so sorry it's all good we're almost done i just got off of work yeah worked, huh? worked all day dude all day. through the freaking like the worst hours from 10 to 7 that's like it's a crappy shift 
And I stayed like 30 minutes late. Man. Talk we about. Good. We're good. We good. Almost there. Almost there. Um. Hopefully. I, I appreciate you. I really take you. Take. I really appreciate you for taking the time to work really hard on this and and present it and give as many facts as you're giving and not glossing over the the hard parts of history. Well, I uh I didn't I haven't practiced any of this performing stuff, so I'm definitely um kind of learning as we mm-hmm. as we go here. I wish. I was more experienced, but experience comes with experience and time. With time, yeah. Uh, so we're doing it. Uh, I'm working through it. Mm. Hopefully, you can bear with me for another uh, twenty minutes or so. Hopefully, no, kidding. <laughs> um, I'm excited. We're good. We're good. So we're definitely we're talking about vaudeville here. This era of comedy also has its lasting influence in the world of stand-up. Mm-hmm. The term blue comedy comes from vaudeville performances, and I want to see if you know what that term means. No. No. <laughs> you do not. So, is it? What? Why are you asking? I just told you I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to give you options. Okay. I'm going to let you do them. I'm going to let you choose. It's just like in high school. <laughs> Hey, the 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 I was talking about it with my my best brother, uh, my best my best friend. Uh, the Bestie. multiple choice test is uh, it's a skill. It is. So it really is. We're helping you out here. I usually try and throw one in that's kind of like ridiculous. Just I have picked those. I've literally picked those. The sixty nine ones. Hey, <laughs> think hard if it's sixty nine. We're I'm trying to give you a um. We're trying to create a roadmap of history here. So you we're going to use context clues to to knock out some of the answers that are stand out as being maybe. Am I thinking hard or hardly thinking? <laughs> I can't I can't tell you that. I don't even know the answer to my own questions. But that's why you look it up. You do the research. How do I do research on myself? What? I'm talking about for your for your topics. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's not what I was talking about. Hmm. We're doing it. I'm just gonna give you the options so okay. we, we can get through it as quickly as we can. Okay. Cool. So, first option is it sad comedy? Blue comedy? Does it mean sad comedy? Does it mean squeaky clean without sex or profanity? Or is it the opposite? Does it mean raunchy and inappropriate comedy? Raunchy and inappropriate. Did I get it? Yeah. My first one. Ah! <laughs> Hell I was like, yeah. There's no way that squeaky clean comedy. Hell yeah. Clean. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's definitely definitely not squeaky clean, dude. Oh, can I have the water? Yeah. Gotcha. Take a water break here. But so the the term blue comedy comes from the vaudeville era theater managers would write out all the performers offensive jokes and put it into a little blue envelope um or when they would submit their material for review they would underline it in blue pencil and you had to remove these bits from your act or you'd be fired oh and if you continue to use the material anyway it would you would be working blue 
So that's another term, blue comedy and working blue. Well, that's done. Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is. Va- these vaudeville shows were kind of, they kind of, the opposite of minstrel shows in a way. They kind of got popular by being squeaky clean. It was clean for all audiences. You know, you could play them after church. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Or you could go, like, you go out to a show, you know. It, if it tickles your fancy. There was, it was a daytime, it was daytime comedy. Mm. You know, it wasn't, there was no raunchy stuff happening here. Historically, Max Miller, a comedian, is credited with coining the phrase in modern comedy. He would perform, he would perform with two joke books, a blue and a white. And the blue one had his more offensive material. Hmm. He would ask the audience, which book should I read from? And they would always... <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's basically it. And, and there's actually... The the term blue was applied to explicit content since at least the 1800s. But I couldn't really find a concrete origin of the word. Um, coming into the le- uh, American lexicon uh, to mean inappropriate. And, or even specifically kind of where it came into comedy to mean, you know, working blue. But that's uh, a speculated origin story there. Hmm. But we're going to talk about comedy as it transitioned from vaudeville into, um, like, club performances. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about club performances this guy frank fay gained a uh, gained a claim as a master of ceremonies at new york's palace theater vaudeville vaudevillain charlie case is often credited as the first stand-up comedian performing humorous monologues without props or costumes this had not been done before during a vaudeville show Hmm. so this um i kind of fibbed the intro a little bit there or transition we're still talking about vaudeville but this guy charlie case is he would go up no props no no costumes he would just go up and tell jokes so Mm. the master of ceremonies and joke telling that's really kind of the the vaudeville this is where it it really really comes into its own its own art form specifically And then we're talking about the 1930s through the 50s. The nightclub circuit was owned and operated by the American Mafia. Nightclubs and resorts became the breeding ground for a new type of comedian, a stand-up. Specifically, Lenny Bruce um, was one of them. Acts uh, acts such as Alan King, Danny Thomas, uh, Martin and Lewis, Don Rickles, Joan Rivers, and Jack E. Leonard flourished in these venues so they were in nightclubs they were basically like imagine a dance floor you're in the middle of a dance floor people all around you and you're just hey you there like i'm gonna tell a joke to you so like they're literally just like entertaining crowds of people in these nightclub venues so (laughs) these performers specifically people like um don rickles you know um Who's another one? Lenny Bruce. These people really were famous for doing like crowd work. So 
that's kind of where some of that inspiration comes from. Mm-hmm. Moving into the 50s and into the 60s, uh, new wave stand-ups such as Mort Stahl and Lord Buckley began developing their acts in small folk clubs like San Francisco's Hungry Eye or New York's Bitter End. Interesting. Hungry Eye spelled I. So, I. the Hungry I. yeah, these these comedians added an element of social satire and expanded both the language and boundaries of stand-up, venturing into politics, race relations, and sexual humor. <laughs> The Hungry Eye, no, owned by impresario Enrico Banducci, and or, uh, was historically the origin of the ubiquitous brick wall. You know, <laughs> I don't know why I have it in quotes, but the ubiquitous brick wall behind comedians. So you know that it's kind of like um, a trope. There's a brick wall behind. You got a right. you got a microphone. You're right. talking to the mic and. Um, to get the brick wall behind you right. yeah and then there's sometimes there's little curtains but that that's kind of where it started in in this club the hungry eye it was just you know a brick building you'd stand at that wall and you would tell jokes to the crowd see that wall over there <laughs> that brick wall go t- go tell a joke yeah well i mean it, the, the thing is like this was the this was during a time when live entertainment was really um huge you know mm-hmm. there was radio and and tv of course but you'd go to a fancy uh a fancy restaurant and there was a live band playing you know right. so it's like live live entertainment was a really big deal and in these nightclubs um sometimes during in between musical acts or whatever you know you'd need someone to entertain the crowd so that's kind of where the stand-up comedy kind of got its origins Mm -hmm. so we're it wasn't until the 60s and more you know more specifically the 70s there was one club that opened in the in the 60s but comedy clubs start opening and you have um, the improv in 1963 and then in the 70s things really take off and you got catch a rising star and then the famous comedy store in la so we got two comedy clubs in new york and then we've got one in la things are really starting to pop off it's a venue it's a it's a bar but it's specifically like come here and drink and also you know watch people tell jokes Mm -hmm. so that 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 um the thing stand-up comedy that's really where it started in the 70s come here drink watch people tell jokes that's all we do Mm-hmm. That's that's where I started. Nice. So, <laughs> kind of needed its own platform. Yeah. So I I could honestly do my own you know my own episode about stand up comedians, the st- history of stand up comedians, because there's so much you know history there. There's a lot of history regarding you know these clubs. The Comedy Store has its own documentary. Uh, I haven't watched that yet, but I'm definitely going to. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of history involved, but. Throughout the 60s and 70s, late night TV takes off in popularity and comedians get a platform to peddle their wares, so to speak. It gives comedy a national stage to set into people's minds so that they start buying tickets to shows and you start getting uh, truly funny people who are really honing their craft, uh, as well as the birth of kind of the superstar comedian. 
You look hecka tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm almost done. I really kind of am at the end of my talk here, but um, kind of want to find a good way to to tie it up. No, no, let's go. We're almost done. I really, I really am almost done. But it is. Let's in, do it. Well, I was, I, um, I was just kind of saying how in the '70s we get stand-up specials. Um, HBO stand-up special, George Carlin's On Location uh, at USC was a huge success, you know, and stand-up specials from Richard Pryor and, uh, you know, a lot of other comedians like Steve Martin and Andy Kaufman start becoming super popular and mainstream and people start buying albums that they can listen to where it's just people talking and... Yeah, I don't I don't know if if the if the actual video was available, people would buy albums of stand up comedy <laughs> where it was just recorded and you would play it on a record player. Freaking just hear people tell jokes. Funny. So the old timey comics have that in quotes. If you're an H three fan, you'll get that reference. But they were able to retain some popularity. People like Rodney Dangerfield, Buddy Hackett, and Don Rickles. They kind of experienced a resurgence they were really popular in the nightclub era and once the stand-up club scene came around they were able to kind of rejuvenate their careers but yeah the true history of stand-up is really in the comedy of the great comedians of the time and we're talking about just of any certain time if you pick out the comedians in that time it's it's the it's history it really is they're they're talking about things that are happening in that time they're they're the people that are making the people laugh mm -hmm. so that's it's something that it really is the the great equalizer you know if if you can make people laugh you can find success in Absolutely. comedy so historically you know cream rises to the top so if you if you're funny get out there <laughs> but the final note I'm going to kind of touch on here is that because that there were so many famous comedians that um, came from the 70s and the 80s, you have, you know, late night comedy or late night TV and Saturday Night Live. You're getting superstar comedians. People wanted to they basically didn't want to see the they didn't want to go to a club to see someone at an open mic they wanted to see the pros right so the the um the what do you call it the venues <laughs> comedy clubs start to shut down you know and road work starts to, to really dry up mm -hmm. comics can't you know sell sell tickets so Comedy in the early 90s kind of starts to decline in popularity. And it really was the fact that, you know, there were so many famous TV comedians that it, people didn't want to go to just be entertained. They wanted to hear the, the top quality stuff that people had already worked years to, you know, refine. Mm -hmm. So The good people. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. So... It wasn't until kind of the internet came around that people started to 
really get fall fall more in love with comedy mm-hmm. and we're now seeing we're now still in this new wave of of comedy we have comedy clubs being opened up and people showing their stand-up bits on youtube Mm -hmm. and we got you know a lot of the excuse me a lot of the top famous podcasters are you know comedians Mm -hmm. so we have kind of this new wave of comedy and yeah that's kind of where we are today in terms of comedy uh i feel like um comedy has evolved so much especially with uh like technology nowadays like you can make so many funny gifs i don't know how to pronounce it however you pronounce it gifs gifs it's gifs because there's a g right that's how i say it, but some people will disagree well if it was gifs it, it would it would have a j so that it's it seems kind of like, yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm just very very adamant about that. That wasn't my point. Sorry, I totally derailed you. <laughs> I was done. I'm hella sorry, dude. I can totally see that. Like, I would have loved to, um, definitely dive a little deeper into this, especially in the in the modern history side. I kind of got, um, I really got stuck in the historical side of it. So I'd like to touch back on the subject again in the future, but for now, I think that's where we're going to leave it. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for sticking with us. So we appreciate you guys. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. And happy New Year's. Happy New Year. From the Half History Coop. Thank you so much. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. <laughs> I don't know. We're super tired. We're not used to being up this late or being, you know, presentable this late. So. I usually kind of shut off by. What time is 10 it? Ten o'clock. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I, my works start at at five. It's eleven o'clock Do you work right tomorrow? now. No. Oh my god. No, I'm just. I'm saying. I'm. I'm used to being up at like four. Yeah. So. It's 11 right now. We're a little bit tired. Thank you for sticking with us if you're here to the very, very end. We love you guys. Love you. Thank you. Thank you. What? <laughs> no, nothing. I was, I was just seeing if there's anything more you had to say. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Um, please be kind to each other. Um, I know everyone has their own New Year's resolution, but mine is always do good, be good, mean good. Uh so as long as you guys are doing good, meaning good, and spreading good, you know, be we good appreciate out there. you. And if you're not, you know, there's always time to self-reflect and figure out why. But I'm getting a little too philosophical here. That's what you want to say. Is that technically right? Philosophical? Yeah. Yeah. Getting deep. Introspective. Introspective. But doesn't make you less than we appreciate all of you um please give us any feedback please let us know what kind of topics you would want to know um i know what i'm gonna do for my next topic and i hope you guys stay tuned that was beautiful thank you thank you you're beautiful you're beautiful bye bye have a good one